Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome in to a football Friday edition of the JP Peterson Show. I'm your host today, Nick Geddes, and I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. Sean Green, who, if you remember, he was on the show a few times with us during the summer, filling in when uh, JP was out, and that is the case today. He is on a, it looks like a lovely cruise. I'm not sure where he's headed, to be honest with you, on that cruise, but it looks like he's having a, a very good time, and we got lots and lots of news today, Sean, but I'll start it off. How you doing this morning? I'm doing good. I wish I was on a cruise, but... You know, you know, the, I, the actually, second best option is being here with you. So I'm happy. I appreciate, I was about to say, don't we all, but I'm not a crew. <laughs> I've never been on a cruise. I don't have any interest to go on a cruise. Um, so I'm the, I'm weird at that. Um, and by the way, apologies. If anybody hears it, it's, um, tree cutting day over here in my neighborhood. Okay. So it's fun. Chainsaws. It, I'm hearing it right now. It's buzzing in my ear. So apologies just beforehand on that. Uh, but let's not waste time. And it's a football Friday, like I said. We will get to the Bucks and Packers. We will get to the worst Thursday night football beatdown ever. The Bucks have no longer hold that distinction. Ten years ago, losing 56-14 to 14 to the Falcons. Uh, the Chargers topped that last night. We'll get into that a little bit as well. And some other news and notes along the way. But the Rays have traded Tyler Glasnow, and they've traded Manuel Margot to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca. And this trade is contingent on Glasnow signing an extension with the Dodgers, which which uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN added last night, is expected. And we got first, like, rumblings of this move about two days ago, I believe. And, you know, there was a lot of Rays fans who were, like, freaking out and everything. And there were some that were a little bit more level-headed. And, you know, you can listen. Tyler Glasnow is a player who is very recognizable, obviously. He's got all the talent in the world. That's never been a question. But when you look at the move that was made, to me, it's pretty sensible to, to try to figure out why they did this. Um First of all, Tyler Glasnow is 30 years old. He's not 23 or 24 or 25, okay? He's 30 years old. And, you know, it's almost become a thing. Like Giancarlo Stanton, for example, for the Yankees, you heard Brian Cashman said, you know, Giancarlo Stanton getting injured is almost a part of his play style, of his, yeah, him being a player at this point. That's kind of the case with Tyler Glasnow. Um, you look at his numbers with the Rays, five-plus seasons. The most innings he pitched in a single season for the Rays was this past season. He gave you 120 innings. Okay, That is, again, the most he has ever thrown in the big leagues and as a Ray was 120 innings. And this was the first time that he surpassed 14 starts in a regular season. And might I add to you that in the postseason – Tyler Glasnow has made 10 starts there and carries a 5.72 ERA. 
Oh, and let's address the elephant in the room here. He also is on the books for $25 million this season. Now, $25 million for everything that I just laid out to you, injury history and not great production in the postseason when he's been in there, $25 million. Has that ever sounded like anything the Rays were going to do? And I know JP said it the second that this deal was signed last year. And, you know, I had the I had it in my mouth, you know, that the Rays were going to somehow pay him this money. But, you know, that's what happens sometimes when I, I fan out a little too hard. He has to knock me back down to earth. And, you know, then you realize that the Rays were never going to pay him $25 million or 20, $25 million a year. It was just not going to happen for all the reasons I laid out. That is a Tyler Glasnow is one big risk. That's exactly what he is. He's a very talented risk, but he is a risk nonetheless. And for a team such as the Rays, who we know are never going to spend with the big boys around the league, $25 million is not a risk they are willing to take on, nor should they, to be honest with you. Nor should they. And then you package Manuel Margot, a reserve outfielder in this deal. And Manny's had some good moments with the Rays. He's also had some injuries as well. But, you know, let's be honest. His ceiling is a third to fourth outfielder. That's who Manuel Margot is. And Manuel Margot is carrying a $10 million cap hit for you. So you look at it like that, you were able to shed that salary that I didn't think anybody in the league wanted. There were reports before this trade came out that the Dodgers weren't exactly thrilled about the idea of taking Manny Marco, and they wanted to go bigger and get Randy Rosarena. Thank goodness that did not happen. Um, but they were able to take – they were really the only team around the league that I think was had the, the stomach and can afford to take on a fourth outfielder for $10 million for a year. So you throw that in there, the Rays have shed about $35 million in money. At this point in this deal, and I think it's a plus for all the reasons I've stated. And then the two guys they got back, uh, Pepio, you know, he's going to be the star of this this trade, we believe. Uh, 26 years old. He's only, he's been in uh, 43 games in the big leagues so far, and uh, or 17, sorry, and 10 starts so far. Last year, small sample size, 2.14 ERA, 38 strikeouts in 42 innings, and only five walks that's it so he looks like if you look at his uh, his kind of profile he's got one of the better change-ups you're going to find in the league uh the slider is still developing the fastball is going to sit in mid 90s 94 95 kind of um he's the kind of guy that you think when they get him into the race system he's already good as it is and los angeles is good at developing these pitchers as well but you get him with kyle snyder um he has a potential to take that next jump, and you get five years of team control under the guy, which is something that the Rays absolutely covet. And I think he's going to contribute right away this season, by the way, because McClanahan's out, Jeffrey Springs is out, and Drew Rasmussen is out. And Todd Bradley, Shane Baz, those two guys, look at that, that's a whole rotation right there. Those two guys right there in particular, Bradley and Baz, are kind of up in the air right now of which way their careers are going to go, with Shane Bass coming back from Tommy John surgery and Todd Bradley kind of going through his normal rookie ups and downs last year. Um, but those two guys are going get to sh- get a shot to contribute. Same thing with Pepio as well, Eflin. I mean, there's still a surplus of arms here 
even with the injuries that the Rays have. Um, I think expectation-wise, now we'll see what the Rays do now. They opened up $35 million off the books. I'd like to think that they can use that to go add to the team, which I'll never stop saying. I know they're not going to spend like the big boys. I'm not asking them to spend like the big boys. I'm just asking for just a little bit more. Just We have a nice nucleus of players that have failed to get over the hump the last three years in the postseason, and I just want some more veterans kind of added to the clubhouse there and some guys who have done it. And that's going to cost a little bit of money. To, uh, it's going to cost you a little bit of money, and then I know the Rays are going to figure out their pitching no matter what. So um, we'll see what happens on that front. Um, and then I did want to mention DeLuca as well. He comes over. This is essentially a swap for a Manny Margot, but at this point in his career, since he hasn't really gotten much of a shot in the big leagues because the Dodgers have been so stacked um, in recent years, he might have more of a ceiling than Manuel, certainly from a power standpoint, has more of a ceiling than Manny Margot. And, you know, the Rays platoon all the time. They use everybody on that bench. So DeLuca's going to get a shot to contribute um, as well. So all in all, I like the trade. I think it was a smart move to make. I understand that these are tough moves for a fan base that has watched a lot of their star players leave. Um, I get that. I've kind of just entered the acceptance phase at this point <laughs> with the with the Rays. I, I mean, there's only that's I know you laugh, Sean. Good phase to be in. I mean, you once laugh, you're in the acceptance but, phase, it's a breeze. Right. You laugh, but I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, they're not going to change. Um and and by the way, and I think this is the right move to make. I think I think this is so much different than trading Blake Snell um, four years ago, which was a deal that I didn't like then. Clearly, I don't like it now. Um, I think this is a lot different for the reasons that I started with, with the injury history with Glasnow, the risk associated with it, the price tag, all those things. And by the way, he's going to be a free agent next year, and we'll see what the extension number ends up being. But I promise you, it's going to be nowhere near what the Rays were going to give him. There's just no way, and nor should they. Um, but also on the other side of this, the rich get richer, the rich get richer. Um, boy, the Dodgers are creating a, on paper, a super team. Ridiculous. It, it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Otani, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Max Muncy, Tyler Glasnow, Walker Bueller coming back from injury, uh, Bryce Miller. I mean, just on and on and on and on it goes down that lineup in that organization. And now they just they laid out everything for Yamamoto. It's crazy. Like the fact that there is a team in the big leagues that can give Shohei Otani his deal, which is BS, by the way. I'm sure you saw that, Sean. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Two million he's going to make every single year on this contract. And so, I mean, it's. I'm going to be honest. I don't think that lasts more than two years. I'm going to be honest. There's no way. I don't think there's any way that Shohei Otani says, I'm a, I'm going to be complacent and okay with making two mil a year for 10 years. There's no way any logical human being, he can say that now. Like for, think let, think let's say. how much money though he's getting from other things that have nothing to do with his contract. Oh, I get it. But I mean, let's call it like it is. I mean, what is it? $70 million a year. That's no joke to anybody. Like, yeah, he's making a bunch of money elsewhere. But okay, come on. You're telling me if they win, let's just say they win the World Series this year. And then let's just say they win it back to back. It's not going to happen, but just say they win it back to back. You're telling me Shohei Otani won't be like, okay, you know, we've won a couple. I want my, like, I want my money. I don't want to just make two million a year. I'm doing, no logical human being would ever do that. He might be okay with it now. 
Two, we'll see two years down the line if that sticks. There's no we'll way. See, I mean, he said all the right things. He wants, he did it so he could help the uh, the team continue to add. Yeah, okay. I just think the way that it is, and I understand there's nothing to, there's nothing the Dodgers did wrong that are against baseball's rules. No, um, I just hate the rules, and I think I just think that it's just helping out all the big market teams continue to find ways around everything. Um, because you know the Red Sox, if you remember, they traded. There's a reason why they traded Mookie Betts. I mean, they didn't they didn't not want to pay the the, the uh, luxury tax fee that they were going to have to pay for being so over that limit, right? Yeah. And so they traded Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. I mean, it's just it's just crazy what they've assembled there. Um, yeah, if they don't win the World Series this year the next couple years why they have Betts still in his prime and Freeman still in his prime and then obviously Otani there it's going to be one of the biggest disappointments in MLB history so I'll say this as a casual baseball fan very very casual right now granted when the Yankees kind of made their quote unquote super team years ago it wasn't necessarily oh my gosh they're automatically going to win the World Series here it is the Dodgers have created more of a super team than the Yankees ever did, but just spending money is just spending money. You mentioned Glasnow's injury history. You know, as a casual fan, I know Tyler Glasnow. I think a lot of people in the country know who Tyler Glasnow is, but you also know, again, like you said, his injury history is extensive. If the Dodgers want to pay like a guy like that, if he's on, if he's pitching. Dodgers dangerous. I mean, call like it is with their lineups that they have with the team that they've assembled. They're a dangerous team primed to win the World Series. The problem is you paid Shohei Otani, who call like it is. He's also had injury problems. Right. You're paying him 700 million for 10 years with. Listen, there was teams that was questioning. Do we want to give this guy, you know, the largest contract in MLB history with I think it was what two Tommy Johns, the injuries he's had over the last however many years. To and listen, he's a two-way player. You bring in Tyler Glasnow with his injury history. Do you re-sign Clayton Kershaw? I, I know it's either that or the Rangers. Who knows? At the end of the day, if the Dodgers are healthy, it's going to be hard to beat them. But at the same time, when you're giving these premier prime players all this money, you're just basically hoping they're healthy. So this could bite them in the butt, you know, down the line if next season. Glasnow goes down, Shohei goes down at some point. Hell, you know, a couple other players might have injury problems throughout the year. And you mentioned it with the Yankees, right? Like, you sign a guy up there with the Yankees that you think is going to be really good and stay healthy all the year and hasn't really panned out. That's why you have to go get Juan Soto this year. So, I mean, who knows? I I, I think it was a good deal for the Rays. I, I get, you know, I'm glad you're in the acceptance phase. That's the most important part. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, the Rays do what the Rays do, and this has been kind of the formula the Rays have done for years leading up to this. So right. it was it's, not shocked at all. It's hard to, to argue with the results. Like I said, I wish they would do just a little bit more from the spending part, um, but it's hard to argue with the results. I mean, they've got like the second, third most wins in the last 15, 16 years. Um, and for all of Stu Sternberg's faults as an owner – and the things that just make you want to pull your hair out and some of the messages he sent to the fan base over the years that I personally don't like. Listen, the guy has put the right people in place for the last 15 and 16 years to find a way to be competitive and win over 100 games in a season, go to two World Series, come just short of winning, 
all those things. So, yeah, it is kind of what they have to do, I guess, at this moment. Again, that's me, the acceptance phase, just knowing that they're not going to take that payroll to where I think it could be. Um, yeah, just don't get – you just – as a Rays fan, you learn not to get, like, so attached to these players. You just – you have to learn not to get so attached to these players. It just – it really is – the reality, but like I said, I think it's a good deal, um, and we'll see what happens. But is, is do I think Glasnow's going to make it through 162 this year no. healthy? No, I don't. I no. don't believe that for one second. So, but I could be wrong. Um, the other news in the Rays yesterday couldn't just be about the field because this franchise has always noise off the field, um, and not even really of their doing, by the way. And so yesterday there was a a city council meeting in St. Pete. I don't even know if you even saw this. Shit. I saw it. I saw it. Oh, goodness me. I mean, we've been... I don't want to sound like a broken record. Everyone knows the whole... Everything that's going on here. We've been at this for my entire lifetime, essentially, of with this stadium. And so we're building a stadium, obviously, in a location that I don't think is worth a crap. I think it's... Most bad. don't. Most don't. I think, I think a lot of people agree with that. Some don't. Some think either the other way. Um, we're doing all that and we're like at crunch time here where this needs to get ironed out and whether or not I want the thing over in St. Pete, I just want the thing in general at this point. Um, and if it's going to have to be in St. Pete, so be it because I just, I don't see any solution on the Tampa side at the moment. I just don't. Um, but they have this whole thing going on with the, the plan and all that, the development plan for, down there, uh, downtown St. Pete, in the current site that they're going to redo. And at this meeting yesterday, we have all these, you know, we have Mayor Ken Welch is there, uh, Ray's co-president Brian Dald is there, and former Mayor Rick Baker, um, and all these other council members as well. And trying to change the name of the team to the St. Petersburg Rays. Sounds like a farm team, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it does. It sounds like an absolute. It doesn't sound like a big league team to me. No. Um, and I mean, I've I've seen all this stuff from Rick Baker, um, and he had the quote yesterday: "If it's going to put in hundreds of millions of dollars, talking about the city, and incredibly value property into the enterprise, then at least we ought to have a discussion on this." Uh, no, we don't have to have a discussion because I don't know one Rays fan, not one Rays fan, who wants this, who has asked for this, or or anything. Okay, this is a made up issue. That is so ridiculous, and I can't believe they wasted time at a city council meeting yesterday arguing back and forth at this. And by the way, the Rays, they don't have anything to really do with this because Brian Ald has been pretty straightforward in how he feels about this, and he said it yesterday in front of all of them. There will not be a new ballpark nor development project if there's a requirement to change our franchise's name. To me, I hear that, then there shouldn't be any more discussion. If the city of St. Pete is so, like they really want this stadium built on their side of the bay, if they really do want that, then why in the world are we going to let a minor name change come in between that? And why do you need to change the name? It's, it's ridiculous to me. Like there's so many other hurdles you have to get through and then throwing something like, well, we have to have the team name change in front of there. I just think that's absolutely ridiculous and like i said it, it just a bunch of waste of time 
why change the name to St. Petersburg? Why alienate the other side of the bay? Why do that? And again, there's a reason why the, the Buccaneers and the Lightning play in the heart of Tampa. We call them the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we call them the Tampa Bay Lightning because we are a region. We are a region, okay? And just calling it the St. Petersburg Rays, I mean, why? I mean, hell, the, the Tampa Bay Rowdies play five minutes down the road from the Trop. I don't know if they, are they are, did I miss something? Are they changing their name to the St. Petersburg Rowdies? Did I miss something? I don't think I did. Maybe they discussed that in the 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 meeting too. Maybe yeah, that's I, just I, as I important. I don't know. Actually, I think one of the council members said that to Rick Baker. Actually, see, it's not a, it, a little bit. It's not a, a shock. Moment. Here, what I think it was. Uh, uh, yeah, here it is. Somebody, uh, Copley uh, Gerdes, if I got his name, if I got the name right there, t- t- said to Rick Baker, "You were part of the Tampa Bay Rowdies for a period of time. You didn't change the name to the St. Pete Rowdies." Exactly. It's ridiculous. Well, it's like, um, I know this is an, ex- an extreme, but like, okay, you don't see the Jets or Giants in football getting, like, you don't see New Jersey officials being like, uh, you not, play yeah, New they're Jersey. Not the, they're not the East Rutherford Giants and Jets. Folks. Yeah. So it's like, this is, ap- it's absolutely ridiculous. This was even brought up, but it does it shock me now. It's like, it just is people are going to bring up stupid There's things. Just always something, man. Like, we can't just have like a stadium negotiation deal whatever you want to call it just happen in peace no like it's always got to be something like this that just like why and, it, and this again this had nothing to do with the rays they're not the ones that are trying to do this they're like i said they're completely against this as they should be it's not going to happen um so i'm probably exerting more energy on it than i should no because at again, the end of the day at the end of the day energy at a, at a council meeting on it so well, because at the at the at the end of the day, it's a negotiation. Basically, it's not, but it also is. Because at the end of the day, people are going to see what they can get out of any type of deal. Right. The county commissioners ultimately know how much money will be brought into the city. Hell, money that's brought in now to the city. You take Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Rays, out of St. Petersburg. They need that money. They need the money that comes to that city. So, yeah, if. They're going to try their best. They're going to say, oh, we want to change the name. It's not going to happen. Like, well, even, they can. Even the, mayor, the mayor, Ken Welch, doesn't even, like, I don't even, he's not even on board with it either. I, I mean, this is former mayor Rick Baker that is putting this out there. And for the life of me, I don't know what the former mayor is doing trying to put this in. I just don't get it. I really yeah. don't get it. So I think I'll, uh, I'll leave it alone, though. Those are pretty my thoughts. If you feel differently, if somebody in there is is clamoring for the St. Petersburg Rays, please be the first person to step forward. Now, let me say, okay, like, whoever brought it up, I don't know who brought it up. I didn't, like, do that big of research into it. It it was originally Rick Baker. Okay, so Rick Baker. Do I understand slightly where he's coming from? Sure. I understand he's, in his head, he's thinking the city – is paying X amount of dollars, a lot of money to fund this, to continue to fund this. Don't you think because of this, we should get, you know, the name changed to because the community of St. Petersburg is mostly paying for this. I understand slightly. Still, it is completely asinine and illogical to think you will be able to change the name of a pro sports team that has been called this for many, many years. You've, they've been playing in St. Pete for many, many years. And just because a new stadium is coming, which 
will generate a lot of revenue to the same city that they're playing in where most fans probably Nick, would you agree? Probably 95 to 99% of fans want it to be in Tampa Bay. Anyway, the stadium to be in Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't know if it's that high. Okay. So then 80, 85. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's there. I mean, I mean, I've seen more support. Let me just say, I've seen more support for the St. Pete side recently than I have before. But do you maybe, think that's because they, it's that's acceptance? Product, it may be a product of just and, acceptance, and they want yeah. it. their stadium fatigue is certainly a thing. And at some point, you just want to see it go up. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of merit, I guess, to the growth potentially of that area in the next 10, 20, 30. Like it's a long term thing. So yeah. I, I see it through the lens of that. Um, but yeah, I. The whole thing, though, with the Rays, too, I mean, you have to keep in mind, this organization is still very young. I mean, th- this is the youngest franchise um, in baseball, right next to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think that was, I believe that was the last time it will be expanded. It was 1998. Um, you're still, and you live in, a, and we're in a market that is very spread out with the fandom. There's a yeah. lot of people that are not from here. In fact, most people that live here are not, are not from yeah. here. So you still have to compete with the fact that there's a lot of Yankee fans around here. There's a lot of Red Sox fans, Cardinals fans, Blue Jays fans, and on and on and on. Welcome to Florida. And, right. And I think the Rays are still establishing their true fan base. I know it's been 25 years, but in the grand scheme of things, that's really not a lot, a long time. And people that were just born when that team was was founded in 1998, people like myself, now we're like the young adults and everything, and eventually you pass that on to the children that you have, and then I think it grows like that. I still think we're in the process of that. Yeah. And so my point by bringing that up is I think further confusing people or alienating part of the fan base by doing this, I think is it will shut people off, and I think that's the last thing you want to do when you're a franchise that is struggling with attendance as it is and is still trying to grow the fandom in the area, if that makes sense. It does. And I'm sure that we probably won't hear anything else from this because at the next meeting, if that even gets brought up, it's going to be a non-starter. So I'm sure this is like the only time we'll hear something about it. If we do hear more about it, that would be shocking to me. That would be pretty shocking. So I don't think there's anything to worry about, but yeah, yeah it's no, it's ridiculous. It was brought up. Right. All right. Let's uh, let's take our first break, and when we come back, we're gonna go over to the world of the NFL, specifically your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not the Tampa Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, up in Lambeau on Sunday, which is very exciting. An old NFC North showdown and a big one for the Bucks. So. We'll look at that, we'll look at the game last night, and we'll look ahead to some of the other really intriguing games on the slate, and maybe even get a little bit of your Tampa Bay Lightning, who got a big win last night as well. So, back in three, stay with us here on the Friday edition of the J.P. Peterson Show. JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. She also has a law degree from Stetson. So if 
Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom. You want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging marketing and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808 sitting around the house well the golden diamond source will purchase a variety of different types of coins and bullion their gold buying program includes sterling silver silver platinum and watches they also accept unusual pieces that other jewelry stores do not such as gold bars and sterling silver flatware the list of items they do accept is far more extensive than those they don't so check it out while you're there you can check out the largest collection of any family-owned jewelry store in the country especially with summer coming to an end the holidays are right around the corner never too early to start your holiday shopping especially if you're planning on getting engaged or have any birthdays or anniversaries coming up come on in and find out what buying jewelry should be like with an expert staff of gold and diamond jewelry enthusiasts and the best part they treat you like family and if you're worrying about price don't the golden diamond source has something for everyone's budget they even have a layaway you stop in and get your favorite piece now, you can have it paid off by Christmas. Plus, you can even finance your purchase with 0% interest for up to five years, and you can get a $5,000 diamond for only $83 a month. It's the greatest folks in the world. Julian Steve Weintraub, the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Olmerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again, once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rate, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done. And guess what? She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work she did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money. And that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up. 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means if you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them uh, to help you out in both those regards. It will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community. Been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance. 813-877-7799. All right. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 
294-7595. That's Fitz, the mortgage guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Let's go. Right now, back to the show with J.P. All right, welcome back to the Friday, football Friday edition of the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you, as always, by our great sponsors, the Jeeves Law Group, Barry Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance, Golden Diamond Source, the Gettys Gordon Real Estate Group, American Mortgage Services, and Synovus Bank, our newest sponsor. So thank you to all of them for um, allowing J.P., the whole team that we have assembled here to continue to do this every single day. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned at the top, uh, it's a little, we're going to have an abbreviated show today uh, for this Friday. So we'll do at least an hour, maybe a little bit over, but it's going to be a little abbreviated on this Friday, but um, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to transition to the, the Bucks and Packers this week. Uh, Sean, the Bucks are in first place in the NFC South. Uh, if you can believe it. No. They don't look like a first-place team. They don't smell like a first-place. None of it. They don't have numbers that jump off the page like a first-place team. But they are, at least for one week, because who is it? Falcons got the Panthers this weekend, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, and apparently you can literally throw two quarters uh, at a ticket and get in the building this weekend, by the way. That's 40, exactly, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, 45 cents. 45 cents is all it takes, apparently, to go watch the Panthers play the Falcons, with the Falcons having a chance to, to take first place back in the division, depending on what the Bucks do. And I think this game, we circled at the beginning of the year on the schedule, you know, the old NFC North matchup, Lambeau, December. I mean, it has kind of all that going for it, right? It feels yep. like a big deal, and it especially does now because – the Packers were going, were riding high. Uh, they had won four or five in a three-game winning streak, and then they played the Giants, the Tommy DeVito Giants, which I love the story. Stop mm-hmm. crapping on it, people. Just enjoy it. Um, they just pretty much beat up on the uh, the Packers and went down the field there on that last drive and with no resistance because prevent defense prevents nothing. And the Packers lose on the the Randy Bullock field goal. So now the Packers have to deal with that. They did not play their best. Jordan Love, not I'm not concerned about Jordan Love. He's played, I think, really well most of the season. I mean, this was a blip, in my opinion. Um, and I think this is a good matchup for the Packers against the Bucks, to be honest with you. And I actually think this this game has a chance to be a high scoring one because the Bucks defense is an absolute mess. Just an absolute mess right now, and we've talked about that. I mean, any quarterback, any sort of innovative offensive coordinator, whatever it is, scheme, they're going to get theirs on this Todd Bowles-led defense. It's going to happen. Um, some injuries as well, of course, that are hurting the Bucks. but you still got a lot of guys on this roster on that defensive side, specifically up front, that just are not giving you much. Um, the, the Bucks. I mean, this is never good, Sean. They're third in pressure rate. Or third in uh in blitzing rate rather, and they're twenty seventh in the NFL in pressure rate. Um, I'm no mathematician, but that's not where you want to be. Yeah, I could have, I could assume not. Right. 
Um, and they also are at the top of the league and giving up the most, I think, plays of 20 yards or more through the air. That's not good. Right. And Jordan Love is one of the best quarterbacks throwing down the field. That's so, not good. <laughs> I think it's a good matchup for Green Bay against the Bucks. And yep. on the other side, I think it's a good matchup for the Bucks offense because this Green Bay defense, I mean, banged up, yes, as well. Uh, but they still have a lot of really, you know, big name players that you're familiar with. Obviously, they've been out without. They've been out with, uh, been without Jair Alexander. He's one of them. They've been without him for majority of the season. But there's still mm-hmm. some good stuff there, and a lot of money on that side of the ball. And they're not performing up to their best. No. I think Packer fans are ready to to run Joe Barry out of town. Um, so I think both teams are going to have an opportunity. I mean, you saw what Tommy DeVito did to this Packers team. I mean, it wasn't like this crazy performance, but he no. was very efficient. And there's other quarterbacks around this league who have had theirs against the Packers defense as well. So, I mean, unless they play like they did on Thanksgiving against the Lions, I think the Bucs are going to have chances to move the football. The Bucs have found some semblance of a running game down the stretch here. Rashad White has... Two 100-yard games in his last three. And he had one 100-yard game coming into this stretch. So, And Dave Canales made it clear yesterday that he is going to stick to the run. He doubled down on it. He's always going to stick to it. So even though Dave Canales gets stuck in this this run-run-pass kind of formula, which just, I think, hurts the Bucks' offense more than anything because they play for third down. And most of the time, they play for third and long. And they put their margins very small like that. And I think that's the big thing that's holding the offense back is some of those kind of formulaic drives where it's run, run, pass. Whereas if you pepper in the runs at the right time, I think it's a lot different. But, you know, to their credit, they kept going after it last week in Atlanta, and it worked out in the fourth quarter. It seemed like they finally yeah. wore down uh, Atlanta's defense, and Rashad White took over that game, and so did the offensive line, which is surging. Um, as usual, which Baker Mayfield are you going to get? Baker Mayfield, I think, has been solid at times this year, and there's been other times where he hasn't been. And last week was the best of Baker Mayfield, and it was the worst of Baker Mayfield. The turnover-worthy throws, he's starting to have more of those as the year goes on. Um, but he also, the way he's able to just to lead that team and you know lowering the shoulder and, and running into the end zone and going crazy and leading them back, at the, on, the, on the final drive after it looked like he had nothing left to offer in that game. And then out of nowhere, just uncorking two beautiful balls, one to Godwin and the game winner to Otten. So, yeah, you know, which Baker are you going to get? They do get a little bit of a break. It's not going to be an absolute um, – I don't think it's supposed to snow. I was like just checking the weather as you were talking. I'm like, right. I have to check the weather. It's 40 degrees, cloudy. 40 degrees, cloudy. And then in Green yeah. Bay, you take that all day. In December? Yeah. So that's right. If, if there was, if it was snowing, I was, I was picking the Packers by at least ten plus. A snow at game. least ten. A snow plus. game would be fun. A, it would be the last time the Bucks have played in a snow game. Yeah, it's been a while. I know your Pats have played in many. Yeah, yeah, just a couple. Um, first of all, I want to get it straight. Tommy DeVito story, great. Tommy DeVito as a quarterback sucks. He's awful. He's terrible. What? He's terrible. He is. Listen, as a Patriots fan who is praying, don't, don't, don't make me have to say what I'm going to say. As a Patriots fan who is praying for losses every week, praying. I, I, I cheer now when we lose. Cause it's just like, now granted, was I happy last week? We won. Sure. 
I I saw Tommy DeVito in a full game. I saw it with my own two eyes. He tried every which way to lose that game for the Giants. Every which way. Tommy DeVito is not good. He's not good. Is the story good? Is there a little moxie that I like with him? Fantastic. Absolutely. It's one. It's probably one of the best stories in the NFL in the last five years. I love it. Him as a quarterback sucks. Like called like it is. He is not good. With that being said, the Packers have been weird. You 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 mentioned it. Like they, the Jordan Love roller coaster has been an interesting theme this year. Went from like first game, people are basically crowning him the next Brett Favre, right? Then he goes on like a four-game span where they're like, okay, Jordan Love is not it. He's trash. He's garbage. And then obviously we get to this part of the season where he was on an upward trajectory. He's been kind of really finding himself, kind of finding ways around the team to kind of make him successful. And then you have the last week where, again, I don't know how the Giants are winning games. It's an anomaly. They are not good, but I'll take it because that every win from the Giants gets them further away from – uh, a top pick in the draft. So I'm good with it. When it comes with the Packers and the Bucks, the one stat is Baker Mayfield has played the Packers, I think, what, the last two years. Now, two different teams, Browns, Rams. Uh, he's lost both times at Lambeau. Uh, I think it was 24-22, which is kind of funny because that was the Packers score last week. And I think it was like 24-12. to uh, The last time he played, it was awful. I think he only threw for like 111 yards. Uh, he had four picks the first time he played the Packers at Lambeau. Now, granted, again, this is a different Packers team, clearly. Uh, the Packers defense, you know, has been up and down, not really doing what you're used to out of the Packers defense. And again, just with the Bucks, you don't know which kind of Baker you're going to get nowadays in the last couple weeks. You don't know which Bucks defense you're going to get. Obviously, this season has shown you probably not a good Bucks defense on any given Sunday, but Again, they they have the potential and they have the guys to do it. It's just will they show up? The Packers are four and two at home, and they've been winning more so at home the in the back half of the year. So listen, not saying the Bucks can't do it because I think if you just look at the Bucks, they can, they're they're in every game they play. You can never rule the Bucks out of a game, especially in the fourth quarter, because again, if Baker's struggling, he can catch fire. Guys can figure stuff out. And especially with the Packers, they're so up and down. You don't know what team with the Packers you're going to get any Sunday either. So I think what's hurting the Bucs is, listen, you're going to have to go on a road, hostile environment, one of the most hostile environments you can go in December. But at the same time, I think the the spread's minus two and a half for the Packers for a reason. They believe the Packers have a good chance to win this game, but you can't rule out the Bucs in, in this situation given how kind of big question marks both teams have on any given Sunday. Yeah, they're, they're two very bipolar teams, kind of. And like you said, you don't know which one you're going to get. I I mean, I lean not to trust the Bucks. I know that sounds yeah. bad, but I mean, because they've won two in a row to their credit. And listen, I'll always say this. I don't think Todd Bowles is a great head coach. I don't think he's a good head coach. I think you, his record has told you what he is. And the way that you watch the games and the in-game management stuff. And I mean, nine guys, Sean. On a goal line package last week. I mean, and that's two weeks in a row that it's happened. I mean, those are things like that. So, yeah, I don't think he's a great head coach. I don't think he's a good head coach. But what I will say is this team, a few weeks back, when they were losing 6-7 of seven, and it didn't look good, they could have rolled over. I mean, they could have. You, have you watched the Chargers play football? You want to look at what it looks like 
to completely give up on your head coach, look at what happened last night at Allegiant Stadium. That is what it looks like. We have not seen any of that from the Bucks. Two things can be true. The Bucks are playing hard for Todd Bowles. Doesn't mean they're necessarily playing well. Yeah. Like, you can, you can play hard and not play well at the same time. I think those two things are, are both true. Um, and you could tell, like, the video they put out last week after in the locker room, and you could see the guys. They absolutely love Todd Bowles. He seems like a guy who, who's a player's coach and everything. So... He's got the locker room. He's going to have to keep winning games. And like I said, the Falcons get to play the Fal- the, the Panthers this week. So I mean, let's listen, go Panthers. We, we play the games for a reason, but I don't know if the Panthers are going to win another football game this year. No, it hurts I'm my heart. That, I'm at that point. Yeah, I know it hurts your heart. It hurts me so bad. But in the, at the end of the day, though, when we keep saying these must-win games and everything for the Bucks, there's truth to that, yes, but if you look at the the playoff picture right now in the NFC, Sean, yeah, I don't. Are people prepared for a world where potentially two NFC South teams make the playoffs? I mean, we've all been assuming it's like one of these under five hundred squads that's all that are all flawed are going to host a playoff game somehow. Yeah. Okay. But look at the NFC right now. You have oh, it's the the, the NFC stinks. Okay, outside of the there's a there's a clear big three in the NFC, and then I throw the Lions in their own category, and then there's a drop off completely after that. And you have the Vikings; they, they have the sixth spot right now. The Vikings are literally starting Nick Mullins. Okay, mm-hmm. Nick Mullins. Yeah. Um, the Packers are six and seven; they have the seventh seed, and then you have just a, a jumbled up mess right here. Mm-hmm. Rams are six and seven. The Seahawks are six and seven. The Falcons are six and seven, and the Saints are six and seven. And then some people are going to try to tell you that the Giants at five and eight are in this. They're not. Um, but yeah, you got a bunch of jumbled up me- teams right there, and you got three NFC South teams at six and seven. Two of these teams are going to make it in. Of what I just told you, somehow, um, my gut tells me that the Rams feel like they have the best shot because. I, I think they have the best offense of all these teams that I just mentioned, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's close. And I think they're playing I – mean, they're going through – they have a lot of rookies playing on defense and stuff like that, but I like their coaching staff. So I think the Rams will get a spot. So that makes this game really important for the Packers because they're fighting for their life there. If they go to 6-8, and eight, it's not going to look good for their chances. And then the Bucks, obviously, I told you all the incentive they have to win. So – we're in crunch time right now, and all these teams are starting to kind of like play each other, and they're mirroring each other. All flawed football teams, but you know, two of them are going to get in the postseason. But yeah, we're in a reality where we could see two NFC South teams in the postseason potentially. We're there. Well, and here's the thing: I think what the Bucks have done so far, I think they're three and one in the division. Nick, if I, I, I'm right or wrong on that, the the reason why this division the reason why this division is looked at as like just the worst in football is because clearly there's not a clear cut team that every given Sunday on a divisional game, you could be like, that team's going to win because again, I mean, bucks lost the Falcons early in the year. Obviously they made up for it last week. You've got the Packers, you've got the Jaguars, you've got the saints and you got the Panthers. I think right now we're looking at it. Like, look at there's three, six and seven teams in this NFC South. With the NFC South or with the NFC just being so jumbled up at the back end right there, 
who knows what can happen. If the Bucs take care of business and they beat the Saints, okay, I think the Saints then go kind of by. And I think the Falcons are better than a lot of people give them credit for. I think the Falcons could maybe potentially make their way in that seventh spot. I tend to agree with you, though. I think the Rams probably are the better one of the two there with the offense. Listen, it's an uphill climb for the Bucs. They need definitely to win on, on Sunday. Well, and you that's take, not you, easy. You, you still want to take care of your division. Yeah, you have to you have to make sure you take care of your division games, which the Bucs so far have done pretty well. I mean, if they beat the Saints, they beat the Panthers, I, they'll be clear-cut number one in the division easily anyway. And, and, and I've been thinking about this too because expectations for this team going into this year, we knew that they were eating the, the Brady contract this year. They didn't have yeah. much wiggle room to do anything. Um, a lot of people in the the media world thought the Bucks were going to win like four games or something and be yep. picking top five. I mean, which sounds crazy because they're not there. But and we and we we've been saying all the time that they're not that bad. They're not going to win three, four football games. There's too much talent on this team. Um, that being said, you know it hasn't been great, but still expectations being what they are. We knew the Bucks weren't contending for a Super Bowl. They were always going to be contending to try to win a weak division. And to their credit, they're there. And if they win this week against the Packers, well, man, you're sitting at 7-7. Seven and seven. Yeah. I mean, expectations being what they were on the outside. 7-7 seven and seven and leading your division in the middle of December would probably – I mean, that qualifies as a success. Regardless of how I feel the team is, because I said this – on Monday show when we came out of the win because a lot of people were down even after beating the Falcons because the performance is just not up to par. And yeah. I said this, I think there's, there's such thing, like there's some truth to obviously you are what your record says you are. The games have to matter, yes. Yeah. But there are some teams that have good records that I don't think are good football teams, if that makes Like the Steelers is what I used as an example. Yeah, the they're Steelers not a good get outgained team. in every single game. They've been outgained... This is going to be the third consecutive year they've been outgained by the opposition. The third consecutive year, but they go every year eight and eight or nine and eight, and but they're not really a good football team. And I think everybody, even when they were at seven and four or whatever it was this year, nobody was like, "Man, that's a good football team." So, and I, and I have feel a like good that's kind of where the Bucks kind of fall into a little. Bit. Yeah, and I don't and think they're I, a good football team. I think they're an average football team. I agree. I have a good understanding with this, given the Patriots' the last three years. And again, finishing eight and nine, nine and eight, like again, just average, like where you're looking at it and you're like, I feel like you could win on any given Sunday, but you're not good. Your, your defense has saved you. And now granted, every team's different. Like you can look at any, you know, average to just okay team. And one thing is going to be better than the other offense will be better than defense. So on and so forth. I think what the problem is, is when you do look at the bucks, I think you see a lot of guys that, you know, really want to play for their head coach can win any given football game on Sunday, but they're not a really good team. They're average. They can win you a game, but you wouldn't be shocked if they lost it. I think the issue is what frustrated me so much when I was in that three-year bubble of just pure averageness is, listen, the draft does play a part, right? I haven't, like, as a Patriots fan, the draft really was like a non-starter for me for 10 years because it's just like, okay, we're either not picking in the first round because we're going to trade out or you're going to pick at the end of the draft and hopefully that guy pans out. Nowadays, I'm like, we got Mac Jones at the 15th overall pick. If I'm a Bucks fan, 
listen, you see some of these quarterbacks and you're like, okay, Baker's not going to be my quarterback for the next three years. Kyle Trask probably ain't it. So who's that guy that you're going to say, like, are we going to go just free agents and and well, win with that? Or are we going to go after a young guy with a top here, pick? And I think that's why. Yeah. Go here, ahead. Not, not to, no, finish your study. I didn't mean to cut you off. Finish. Oh, no. Point. No, you're good. I'm just saying, I think no fan is in the wrong. If there's a fan that's like, I want the Bucks to really just try and tank for one year or do really right. bad and get a top 10 pick to go grab one of these guys. And there's no fan that's wrong that says, no, I want to go to the playoffs. We've been bad for so long just because right. Brady's not, just because Brady's gone. I said that on Monday. I said that on Monday. Like, I think both people have a point and you can feel yeah. both ways. And I think both are real things. Now, clearly the team is never going to think about that. They could give a, a rip about draft picks and all yeah. the future and all that kind of stuff. But this is just fan talking and, and analyzing this team and being trying to realistic of where they are and if they want to get to a certain point of what they'll need. I mean, you mentioned Baker. Baker has played well enough. Like, I think I've said this too. I think he's been somewhere between the 14th and the 18th best quarterback in football this year. I think he's been there. Yep. I think he's a serviceable quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL that if everything is is perfect around him and you have the right things, you can go to the playoffs uh, like he did with Cleveland. Ryan Tannehill. Really well that season, right? Yeah. And there's a place for those guys to start in this league. There's no doubt about it. Um, the way the Bucks are constructed right now, he's not going to be that guy that you can say, man, I can go out and I can mess around and win a few playoff games potentially with him. I don't think they're at that point right now. You know who they remind me of? Like this team, this team reminds me, and I guess it's comparable because of the playoff situation. The Washington Commanders a couple seasons ago. When they were the kind of the four seed, they won their division. The division was really bad. Right, and they gave the Bucks a run for their money. Yeah. In the postseason. Exactly. Like a team that really plays hard, plays well for their coach, is a good team, but not a great team. You really don't feel like they'll be able to win a playoff right. game, but they'll give you fits. I think right. that is probably the and perfect assessment. And I was going to mention this about Baker, though, is I think he's made himself some money. Oh, yes. This, or next year. Like, he got $4 million this year, which is crazy. Now, is he having the same season that a Geno Smith had last year in Seattle? No. No. That was different. And Geno ended up getting $35 million And look how that's that. turned out. Right. I think Seattle... Get excited, and then you <laughs> pay a guy, and... Right. I don't think he's going to get that, but... If Baker Mayfield can he can he get fifteen million on the open market? I don't see why not. And uh I don't know about that. I think, I don't think Baker he, I don't... Baker has has honestly revitalized his career in Tampa. Bay. No, a hundred percent. Who's paying Baker Mayfield? Him. Yeah, but it who, could be but... the it could be this football team. Listen, Sean, if Baker Mayfield gets the Bucks into the playoffs this year, okay, the Bucks will in pay the him. transition year. First of all, the Bucks won't be picking anywhere close to get one of the top quarterbacks in the no. first place. But what's the point? What's the hurt of giving Baker then a smaller bridge type of deal, a la what the the Seahawks gave to Geno? Not the same number. I would not do that. But if you can keep, I mean, I don't think Baker wants to go anywhere else. No, I don't think so. I think he he made it clear yesterday he loves Tampa Bay and he loves what you know. He, he's obviously got a kid coming on the way. You know, he probably would like to stay put and everything at some point. I mean, he's been trying to find stability. Yeah, I think is the big thing with Baker Mayfield, and I think if the Bucks make the postseason, I mean, number one, I think that saves Todd Bowles' job. I mean, is mm-hmm. regardless of what I think of him as a head coach, it's just if he wins the division two years in a row, how do you fire that guy? It's kind of hard to do that. Um, 
Yeah. And I think Baker then would honestly get would be the quarterback again next year. You give him that mm-hmm. kind of bridge deal. And you try to add pieces around him because I do agree that quarterback is not the most important position of need right now for the Buccaneers. It's just not. I told you about the pressure rates. The Bucs can't get a four-man pressure home even though they blitz or anything. They can't get any pressure at all even though they blitz the third most in the league. And that's Todd Bull special. They don't get home. It puts more wear on their on their back end and stuff like that. So I think they've got to upgrade the pass rush significantly mm-hmm. moving forward. I think they got to add another running back to the mix. I don't know what's going on with Mike Evans. The more he plays like this out of his mind lately, guess what? That price tag goes up, and there's going to be other teams that are going to want the guy. It depends what Mike wants to do at this point in his career, and we'll see. Um, so I think the Bucks have a lot of things that they still have to accomplish away from the quarterback position. Yeah. And I think Baker has played good enough to prolong his time here in Tampa Bay and allow the team to add those necessary pieces when the cap room kind of opens up more next year. I would agree. And I was going to, my caveat would be, I think the only team that would pay Baker 15 million would be the bucks. So, and that's not saying I don't think a team would offer 10 to 12 million, but like you said, I think every team is different. I think the bucks are in a perfect position to have a bridge quarterback like him. And he's played, like you said, well enough. Yeah. So I think it's just a wait and see. I do and agree. It's still relatively cheap for a quarterback, fifteen million. Yeah, that, that's basically what a starting rate is going for for a free agent, you know, quarterback in the league. But in the league today, there's so much, so many question marks that I think a lot of these teams would rather just go with a young guy. Or, I mean, again, you look at Ryan Tannehill. Like the Titans are just like, "Yep, we're done." Like, thank you for being the bridge for when you did, but we found our young guy, so we're gonna hand the keys to him. So. I mean, they would have handed the keys last year to Malik Willis if he was any good, but he sucked. So they're like, damn, okay, well, we don't have that option. Right. They they just were drafting a draft. So I think you'll start seeing the Bucks take those third-round guys because Trask ain't it, clearly. Baker's played really well, and they're going to keep using him until either A, he falls off, or B, they find their young guy that would be yeah. Baker's, you know, protege or whatever. Yeah, but, I mean, again, there's still four games to go, and as much as he's made in these first... 13 games so far. Yeah. You could lose it in the final four games. Who knows? Like I mentioned, I mean, Baker's, if you look at Baker's trajectory right now, again, I'm aware of what he did at the end of the game. Does not mean he played a great game. No. He was great when he needed to be. Okay. If you look at his trajectory lately, Baker didn't play well against Carolina. He didn't play well against Atlanta up until the last drive. His trajectory is going down a little bit he's starting to get a little bit more carelessness with the football maybe he's not turning it over at a big rate which at the end of the day is all that matters i mean i would take his stats any day of the week exactly like the numbers look really good but if you watch it in between the games yeah it's i mean the big thing they can't hit big plays down the field i mean that's that's one thing the bucks have just struggled at is hitting explosives yeah very few and far between and baker has struggled with his deep ball accuracy for most of the season so yeah, a lot of this is going to depend on what Baker does these last four games. And But I do think that if he wins the division, if the Bucks win the division, led by him, he's going to be the quarterback next year, I think, end of story. So. 100%. But that starts with uh, Green Bay this weekend. I guess we'll do picks. I don't really do picks that much. Hey. We'll do picks, though. You start. Give me your pick for Packers-Bucks this week. It, I will not actually be betting on this game because it's, again— 
it would not shock me if either team won. I'm just going to go with the home team in this one. Uh, I think Packers coming off of a heartbreaking loss. I think they'll have some motivation to get to 500. Um, they're at home. Home crowd's going to be in it, especially with trying to get to the playoffs, kind of right on the cusp right there. So um, wouldn't shock me, though, with the Bucks, you know, coming off of a big win last week, knowing who the Falcons are playing. I wouldn't shock me at all if uh, the Bucks won, but I'll go Packers right now at minus two and a half. Yeah, um, I think I've gotten a lot of my picks wrong with the Bucks this year because they're just so hard to forecast. It's hard, uh, yeah. I like I said, I think this has a chance to be a little bit more high scoring than people are going to think um, because the conditions are favorable. I think the matchups are good for both teams. I'm gonna, I'm still leaning Green Bay for now. I, just I think like a them. field goal, a field yeah, goal game. I'm, I'm literally picking a field goal. The Bucks haven't really gotten blown out in any game this year, even against the really good teams they've played. They've kept it relatively close at points. So I don't think they're going to get completely blown out. Um, I'm going to go 31-28 Packers. Um, and that just tells you how much I think these teams are, are pretty similar to one another. Um, and again... Are the Bucks going to be able to make? And the, the Bucks, if there's one thing, I mean, most they're again they're very inconsistent when it comes down in the clutch. I mean, the first game against Atlanta, they Baker turned into a pumpkin at the end of the game, uh, but then he played well against Houston at the final drive, and then the defense blew it, and then we saw what happened this week. So it could very well come down to a final drive again. We'll see. And Chili Lambo, but we'll see. Uh, okay, let's take a. Uh, we got to take another break and pay some more bills. So we'll take another break, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up. We'll just do a smaller segment, and I'm going to dive in a little bit to the to the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. I got to give them some love, and I got to give the captain some love, Stephen Stamkos, for a historic night up there in Edmonton. So we'll talk about that and look ahead to full slate of games this weekend when we come back here on a Football Friday edition of the J.P. Peterson Show. Back in three. Tired of those stuffy, overpriced sports bars? Well, come join the fun at the patio in South Tampa and watch your favorite football teams under the stars in a tropical paradise. It's a unique setting with huge wood decks beneath the trees. And don't worry, they have an inside AC bar with all your favorite bar games as well. The patio has all the NFL and UFC sports packages. It's home to the Tampa Gator Club and the Bills Mafia, but all fans are welcome. Hey, my FSU buddies love to watch the Knowles at the patio. It's also home to a great happy hour weekdays. $5 White Claw Vodka and $5 White Claw Seltzers. Dollar off all beer and wine from 3 to 7.30 off their already low prices. And every Friday happy hour, join us for Football Friday. It's our live broadcast from 5 to 7 o'clock with tons of specials. The fan mic for you to join the show. We'll have some swag and some ticket giveaways and more. So come out for the live broadcast 5 to 7 every Friday at the patio and come watch football in a tropical paradise. 421 South McDill, just a few blocks south of Kennedy. Everyone meets at the patio. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. 
Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz, the mortgage guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Any old coins sitting around the house? Well, the Golden Diamond Source will purchase a variety of different types of coins and bullion. Their gold buying program includes sterling silver, silver, platinum, and watches. They also accept unusual pieces that other jewelry stores do not, such as gold bars and sterling silver flatware. The list of items they do accept is far more extensive than those they don't, so check it out. While you're there, you can check out the largest collection of any family-owned jewelry store in the country, especially... With summer coming to an end, the holidays are right around the corner. Never too early to start your holiday shopping, especially if you're planning on getting engaged or have any birthdays or anniversaries coming up. Come on in and find out what buying jewelry should be like with an expert staff of gold and diamond jewelry enthusiasts. And the best part, they treat you like family. And if you're worrying about price, don't. The Gold and Diamond Source has something for everyone's budget. They even have a layaway. If you stop in and get your favorite piece now, you can have it paid off by Christmas. Plus, you can even finance your purchase with 0% interest for up to five years, and you can get a $5,000 diamond for only $83 a month. It's the greatest folks in the world. Julian Steve Weintraub, the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Olmerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again, once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rates, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done, and guess what? She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work. She did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money, and that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up. 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means if you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them uh, to help you out in both those regards. They will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community. Been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance. 813-877-7799. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back to a Football Friday edition of the JP Peterson Show. John Green joining me today, filling in for JP, who is... Somewhere in the middle of the ocean right now, but he's on a big boat. He's on a big boat, so I hear it's rocky water, so I hope it's all good over there. Oh, yikes. He should be back here with us on Monday. Um, hey, I just wanted to get an update here. The, it's a, it looks like the trade is official. Uh, Tyler Glasnow has agreed to his extension, or they're finalizing it, rather, with the Dodgers. It's a five years, $135 million. And they so basically they've added four years and 110 million 
and new money on top of what he was making this year, which was the 125 million or the 25 million. It's so like and 27 and a half million or, or a year added. You know, around what? it must be nice to just have that fu money. That you, it doesn't matter what you spend on these guys. I mean, that would be. If the Rays ever gave out that deal to Tyler Glasnow with everything I just said, I said earlier in the show about injuries and all that, I mean, that'd be the worst deal the Rays could have handed out. Seriously. Like, I love Tyler Glasnow, but I don't love him for five years, $135 million when he's 30 years old and can't stay healthy. So, I don't know. The Dodgers can have fun with that. It's not going to matter, though. The Dodgers can do they, it. doesn't matter how much money they spend. They're going to continue to roll it in. And there's no deferred money, by the way, on this deal. So there's no jokes we can make about how much deferred money is down the line. Because I guess you can theoretically, Sean, just sign somebody for a dollar. And and just defer it. I don't mean, I don't know. I guess that's how baseball is. But anywho, Tyler Glasnow is officially a Los Angeles Dodger, it looks like. Uh, all right, before we, we close today, just a quick shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. They uh, this late night with the lightning is I guess what we'll call it, and I enjoy it personally. I like staying up late, getting to watch those games at night. So they played the Oilers yesterday. The Oilers were coming in hot, and I think it was three two going into the third period, and the lightning put five on them in the third period. Two of them were empty net goals, yes, but still five goals. Andre Vasilevsky was absolutely out of his mind last night. Out of his mind, 57 shots on goal for the Oilers. And yes, he gave up four, but listen, the Lightning are not in that game. (laughs) If not for Andre Vasilevsky, he was fantastic. That's the performance that we expect from what we think is the best goaltender in the world. But the star of the show next to him was the captain, Steven Stamkos. Hard to believe all the goals this guy has scored. This was his first four-goal game. I believe he joins Marty St. Louis and Chris Contos as the only two Lightning players to do that. This was his 12th career hat trick. And all three goals, just phenomenal. I mean, the one that he batted out of the air, just out of this world, the snapshot from the top of the of the, uh, the, the blue line there, that's vintage stamp ghost right there on that one. So he's still got some skills, folks. And... All I'll say about it is when you see performances like that from Steven Stamkos, just enjoy it because much like Mike Evans, you know, these two have been the pillars, I think, of Tampa Bay sports for the last 10, 15 years, Steven Stamkos and Mike Evans, Uh, both players who are going to be in the Hall of Fame one day and both players who we can't guarantee and I can't guarantee you right now that both or either of them are going to be wearing um, or or playing in Tampa Bay next year. Can't guarantee that. So when you see performances like Mike Evans the other week, when you see performances like Steven Stamkos last night, just enjoy them in case you don't see him much moving forward. Because, again, can't guarantee it. But Steven Stamkos, special player, continues to – he's not aging one bit. And Lightning are definitely going to need that as they try to get on a, a good winning streak, a good run of play, which they desperately need. All right, that'll do it for us today here on a Friday. Like I said, just a little bit of an abbreviated show. Sean, thank you so much for joining me. 
Um, if you missed the act, go back. If you missed the show today, if you joined in late, go back and watch the top. I got into Tyler Glasnow, the St. Pete City Council with the St. Petersburg Rays nonsense. Uh, we got into Bucks Packers, and of course, you just heard there with the Lightning as well. We will be back on Monday. We'll see you then. Go Bucks this weekend. Go Lightning as well. Have a great day, everybody, and have a fantastic weekend here in beautiful Tampa, 